Welcome back, everyone, to another HBeat podcast, the most delicious podcast in the Metroplex. I'm Bud Kennedy. And Steve Wilson. Well, our guest today talks all about pizza. He had an award-winning pizza, one of the nation's best pizzas at Zoli's, and he brought Conoroso and Zoli's to Fort Worth and soon brings it to Arlington. Let's welcome Jay Jerrier. Hey, guys. Thanks hey. for Jay, where are you broadcasting from? I don't see any pizza in the background. I don't see the big oven. Uh, What's the deal? I'm broadcasting from uh, the dance studio of my daughter. Because <laughs> we actually have, really, <laughs> we have good, uh, good Wi-Fi out here. And uh, and can be away from all of our dogs so they won't lose their minds. And, uh, I, while we're and I should say, I, I, I say I'm seeing him because we're doing this both on video and audio. It's still the Eat Speed Podcast. Jay, you were one of our first each beat podcast i remember you entertained us in zoli's i think it was our first each beat on the road podcast over oh, in oak cliff when would that have been that would have been sometime we opened that in 2016 so 2016 2017 uh it was a short uh short run at that original location as the building got knocked down but uh it was uh probably sometime around then i would think well, you know, we have stayed online and we have become, I call it the most listened to food podcast in Texas. It's definitely one of the most listened to uh, with more than 2 million plays. And we hope many more this episode now that we're putting Conoroso on the air. You know, Jay, I'm sure. <laughs> Jay, I'm sure you're straight down. Jay, talk about pizza and talk about, uh, talk about pizza and what you meant to do when you brought, uh, when you brought pizza to this, this pizza to Dallas. And then, uh, and then, how you kind of uh, zigged and then zagged with with Zoli. So, talk about your your great pizzeria empire. Well, uh, <laughs> that may be a little bit of overselling it, but uh, I was. Uh, this is you know a story that I feel like I've told a thousand times, but I suppose it is interesting for all the other uh, corporate drones that are sitting in their uh, beige cubicles, wishing they had something else to do. But that was me. Uh, you know, in my early forties, I was. Uh, just a generic sales guy for a big old company. And uh, I just decided I couldn't do it anymore and decided uh, I was going to open a pizzeria. Uh, we had been making pizza on the side with our little mobile oven. And uh, so Connie Rosso was born in uh, Valentine's Day 2011 out of, I just couldn't uh, take working in a cube anymore and decided to take a flyer and, uh, and do something crazy. And it was based on the pizza that I had had on my honeymoon in Italy way back in 1995. And it was, you know, we weren't the first wood fired pizzeria. I think fireside pies and Cavalli, uh, pizza were around before us, but we were the first one in Dallas, in Dallas proper. And, uh, we just, we're in the right place at the right time. And, uh, it really just kind of went nuts from there. And it, it just grew out of a passion for, I mean, obviously, you don't get a body like this from the salad, so I like to eat, uh, and I really, like, and I really like, I really like pizza. And I spent a lot of time in New York, uh, worked for G Capital, um, and uh, really was around a lot of great pizza. But when we went to Italy on our honeymoon, blown away by the uh, by the pizza uh, that I had out there, and it was, uh, it, and I wanted to kind of recreate it. It was a long, painful process to get it done, but. Uh, I think we finally did a pretty good job of it. See, I, I tell people that, you know, you said you don't get a body like that from eating pizza. I tell people they have to understand there's only three chances a day for me to do any research and I have to maximize, <laughs> I have to maximize all opportunities for, for covering food and writing about food. 
Well, now what's a what's going on in Arlington? Talk about downtown Arlington, and talk about in general what's going on in downtown Arlington too, and what attracted you to be an urban union. Well, you know, the first thing was with the urban union, they have probably been uh, reaching out for I'd say probably three years. Uh, but hey, you got to come over here. We really like you to check it out. We really like you to check it out, and it it was really led by the guys at Legal Draft Brewing. They were the ones that said, oh, if you come out here, they'll make you a good deal. It's a really cool area. And I had always just kind of dismissed Arlington as well. It's Cowboy Stadium, and it's a million chain restaurants, and it's all tourists, and nobody ever wants to do that. But, you know, for whatever reason, I said, you know, I really like Greg at Legal Draft. So I said, all right, we're going to go out and check it out. And I went out there, and I was like, oh, man, wait a second. This is pretty cool out here. And and it's just that little – you know, and granted, you do drive through quite a, bit, quite a few chain restaurants to get to this little strip on front street, but what they're doing down there with that urban union and downtown Arlington, very, very cool. It's, um, it's a really unique little cluster of independent restaurants and shops. And, and you know, some of our other restaurant friends are out there like, you know, tipsy Oak uh, has been out there for a while. It's right. really like biking distance, biking distance from UTA, tons of apartments going up over there. And then, you know, Brandon Hurtado from Hurtado barbecue opened up and he and I Very were joking. Cool I cannot, I, he is a great guy and I cannot believe that they opened before us. We just, we ran into some, we ran into a lot of delays with that. We finally found a space and they were showing us a bunch of different spaces, but I really fell in love with one of the smaller buildings out there. It's an old radiator shop, Joe's radiator shop. And um, it just felt like a really cool space and it had a big wraparound patio and, and uh, I thought this could be a really cool pizza place. And so over the past year, we've been, you know, working on transforming that in. And, and we're getting close. We ran into, you know, a lot of problems with um, not necessarily permitting or anything like that. But we're going back and forth on the plans and trying to make sure we're getting the right things in the right places. This is a small space, so we had to be really efficient. Um, but then you know, we ran into all kinds of supply chain problems, um, you know, here in the last mile related to, you know, ducting for air conditioning and super boring stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're close. I'd say, you know, another 30 days we should be hopefully open, middle of July, early August. You know, it depends. Now, of course, you know, throw the big corona variable in and who knows um, in terms of getting people and getting staff and getting permits and getting open and that kind of stuff. But we're we're in the home stretch out there. But, I mean, it's a really cool space between the brewery, axe-throwing place, you know, Cartel Taco Bar, the Kahuna Tiki Lounge. I mean, it's a really, uh, it's a really, really cool. I mean, a cool place. I was over there uh, Saturday picking up barbecue from Hurtado. Whenever he posts that ribeye on his Facebook, I'm like drawn to it. Are you doing any pieces with his barbecue or with some of the surrounding yeah. uh, food? Uh, Brandon and I have been talking about uh, doing something uh, together. My dream is to do a birria pizza. Uh, they have them out in L.A. You know, we. We used some of his uh, barbacoa, and uh, you know we made a good um, the good uh, consomme to go with it. I think it would be uh, pretty good. Now I'm not sure if it would work really well with the Conigrosso wood fired pies because they're so thin, right. or maybe it might be something we do with Zoli's, or right. it might be a stromboli. Yeah, yeah, I might might want to do a stromboli or something like that. But uh, yeah, he and I have been talking about uh, doing something together for sure. So where did the name come from? Uh, Conte Rosso, it, it means red dog in Italian. It's mm -hmm. uh, named after um, the first dog we had here in Texas. It's a red-haired dog. It's a Hungarian pointer. Uh, we just kind of fell in love with the breed. 
uh, and we started rescuing way back in. We moved here in 97. So we started rescuing dogs. Uh, you know, then it started off with Vishlas, which are the Hungarian pointers, but there's not too many of those that ended up in rescue. And then, then we ended up with German short hairs and English pointers and German wire hairs and wire hair pointing griffin. So now I've got, uh, I see at my house now I have three Vishlas, three English pointers, a German wire hair and a wire hair pointing griffin. So uh, my wife is ready to kill me, but I kind of snuck one in just at my birthday here a couple of weeks ago uh i picked her actually up way up uh way out in uh, west of fort worth I, I she was running around the woods and now she's a uh member of our family so eh, well, it, sounds, it, it sounds like you're outnumbered yeah yeah they're all girls too between that and my daughters two daughters and my wife i'm uh, i'm definitely uh outnumbered here at this house i want to ask you about the way you broaden the menu so you've broadened both conoroso and zoli to be more than pizza and more than pizzerias and talk about some of the dishes people talk about is it a brisket lasagna and some of the other i mean you're more of an, a general italian restaurant i don't think people know that yeah well you know after after eight years of really running kind of with the same menu you know since we have slight variations since 2011 we've always had a little uh a little pasta a little non-pizza stuff but um, in, you know, we brought on a new, uh, chief culinary officer and it, it's, uh, Jeff Beckaback and he actually grew up on Capel. He worked at the central market on Hewland for ages, uh, a while back, but, and then he, his most recent gig prior to us was as uh, executive chef for Nick Badavinas flavor hook. So he runs, uh, town, her neighborhood services, all of, um, Mount Lake cut all of those places that Nick runs. I don't think he has anything on the Fort Worth side, but he's mostly right. on the Dallas side, but you know, really uh, high end kind of Americana type of restaurants. And, and so Jeff brings a tremendous amount of culinary skill to the table. And, and so he was able to work with our kitchen staff and really help get our team upgraded. So now we can execute a lot more complicated and complex dishes that really have some Italian DNA, but we may put a Texas spin on them. Like we do, uh, a chicken parm, but we do a chicken fried chicken parm, or you know we do a lasagna, but we do a brisket lasagna. And uh, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly really uh, fell in love with that. And, I mean, it's a it's a beast. Um, but we just really wanted to be. And, and I have some friends that have pizza restaurants up in New York, uh, Matt and Emily Highland that run uh, Emily and Emmy Squared, and and then he put it one time in a uh, in a good quote that you don't want to be a a great pizza restaurant. We wanted to be a great restaurant that happened to serve pizza. And that's kind of where we uh, have tried to steer our, our boat towards uh, is, is to just be a little more broader, to be more like the restaurants that I grew up eating in the Northeast, where it's like, yeah, you can go in and you can get pizza, but they also had sandwiches and pasta and being in New England, half of them had lobster and stuff like that too. So we're not going to get that crazy, but uh, we just really wanted to kind of broaden the appeal. So it was a restaurant that, you weren't like if somebody wanted a, a burger, you could come and get a burger there. And you know, with with uh, Jet's pedigree with neighborhood services and offsite kitchen, I mean, the guy knows how to make a burger and the guy knows how to make fried chicken. And so that's why you see some of those things migrate onto our menus. And we should mention now you have three restaurants in the Tarrant County market. You have two going on three. You have Conoroso on Magnolia in the hospital district in Fort Worth. It's open uh, seven days, and you have wine specials and. Uh, you have some happy hour bargains. Uh, you'll be opening Conoroso in uh, downtown Arlington. And then you have Zoli's uh, near Central Market on Hewlett and Fort Worth. Zoli's is a deep dish pizza, 
Uh, explain the difference in Conoroso and Zoli for everybody. Well, uh, where Conoroso is, is more, you know, kind of traditional Italian wood-fired pizza with fresh mozzarella and, you know, wood-fired, real thin crust pizza. Uh, Zoli's is a lot more heavier, and it's a lot more what I grew up with in the Northeast. It's more Italian-American, so it's, it's um, New York-style thin crust pizza, but we also have Sicilian-style pizza with thick square pizzas, and it's made with kind of the aged uh, dried mozzarella and, you know, a lot more of the uh, traditional American-Italian toppings that we'll have, uh, um, you know, so it's, it's, you know, maybe less prosciutto and more buffalo chicken kind of things like that. It's a little more American, uh, skews a little more towards American, I guess. I, I did have a question about your first pizza that you had in Italy. What was it? It was a margarita, and it was at Pizzeria Aurora on the plaza in Sorrento. And that's where I was like, I really did have like the holy crap. Like, I cannot believe how good this pizza is. And, you know, I was working in New York at the time, and all the guys kept saying, oh, you're going to hate the pizza over there. It's nothing like New York. But, I mean, I mean, I obviously love New York pizza, but that so pizza didn't, didn't fold it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's you know, very soft. But, but, I mean, you could really taste the freshness of the tomatoes and the cheese and the basil and the – and the dough was an ele- the crust was an element all on its own. So it was, uh, it just blew me away. It really stuck with me. How did you make the jump from the Sorrento to the Honey Bastard? How did you, how did you uh, get into all those kind of creative combinations? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah, you know, we just always are. Uh, we have a really good culinary team that's always tweaking and playing around. I mean, that's how Zoli's started. I had, a, you know, one of my head pizza guys, now he's our pizza czar uh, in um, in the whole company. He and I used to always just, on the downtimes, just messing around with different flavor combinations and, and different pizzas. And, you know, he comes up with a lot of the ideas. And I, I think we always want to do a salty sweet. And I knew that you know, some of the guys in New York were using Mike's Hot Honey. And so originally started out with the Honey Badger, which was just hot soap posada and uh, the habanero honey that we made in-house. And then our servers kept saying, oh, you should try it with the bacon marmalade. You'll really like it to all the guests. And then that started to become like a really popular pizza. So we just put that one on the menu. And that's that's our top-selling pizza at every restaurant, even though uh, until this year it wasn't even on the menu. Jay, you, you talked about the, the problems of getting open and – and I, I know that, that coronavirus has, has visited your places. And, you know, uh, it's really a lot more places that people don't talk about. And you've been one of the restaurateurs who chose to be open and to be transparent about what's going on with a couple of employees getting sick. Uh, you, they get sick, you clean up, you sanitize, you're back. Uh, what's it like for a restaurateur? It's, uh, I mean, this is a family podcast, so I can't really have. I'll clean it up. But I mean, every day it's like a fresh new hell. Uh, you know, honestly, this is, uh, as they say in airplane, I, I picked the wrong year to stop sniffing glue. Uh, this has been, uh, it's awful. I mean, I don't know any other way to describe it as it's, it's always something we've had between, uh, you know, coronavirus, uh, protests and, uh, you know, uh, things like that. And I mean, seriously, 
just the other day, uh, I said, what else could go wrong? And then our freaking restaurant in Houston got hit by lightning. I mean, are you like seriously kidding me? Uh, but, uh, you know, the coronavirus has obviously been um, a nightmare to deal with. I mean, we are following all the guidelines and, you know, and I think even especially what I, and I think I've seen some stuff that you guys have posted and others have posted. I mean, it's really hard to be a good guy because there are tons of restaurants and tons of bars that are not taking near the precautions that we are. Yeah. We're the guys that are at least saying, Hey, we've had an employee, you know, test positive. Um, And so it's, it's just one of those things. I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, but I mean, I just don't, I just don't know how I could sleep at night if we just, you know, put shoved it under the rug. I mean, it's not fair to our employees. They want to know. So if they feel like they want to get tested, uh, it's not fair to our guests that, you know, I mean, it's serious. Uh, and so we don't, we don't, we don't take it lightly. I mean, we, when we first, our first uh, notification was in the Congress or Carrollton, we had an employee test. And then like three days later, we had an, uh, an employee in Zoli's in Addison test positive. And those restaurants were probably shut, shut down for five days while we got our act together and got our testing protocols and our cleaning protocols done. And I mean, shutting down for, uh, you know, a week at two restaurants costs over a hundred thousand dollars. That's just, you know, lost. And, Landlords don't care. They like their rent check. Uh, so it's just, but it's just one of those things. It's, it's not easy economically to make that decision, but I think it's the right thing to do. And then, you know, we had an employee uh, test positive at Zoli's Fort Worth and we were able to kind of quickly shut down and isolate everybody, get everybody tested and get sanitized and get back open. So we're kind of getting a little bit better at it because unfortunately I think it's going to be, you know, one of the, it's going to be one of these things that's going to keep happening. Like, Oh, your, uh, your shipment from Benny Keith didn't show up. Oh, an employee tested positive for Corona. All right. So we have a standard operating procedure and, and we're following all the guidelines. That's the thing that kills me is, you know, we, we have our restaurants are really look inhospitable with all the social distancing. I mean, everybody is spread so far out because whether you're at 25 or 50% or 75% occupancy, the real good one is the six foot, uh, social distancing. So if you maintain six foot social distancing, we can't get to 75% occupancy because we don't have yeah. enough square footage to space the tables out. So it is what it is. I think we probably hover yeah. around 42% occupancy, but yeah. we're following the guidelines. Everyone's masked with sanitation stations. Everyone does a pre-screen before they come to work. And, you know, it's just sometimes they feel fine. Then the next day, all of a sudden they feel sick. Well, you could get to 75% with the six-foot dividers, though. You can use six-foot yeah, divisions, I mean, you know, the, a, in between uh, sections or in between tables. The, yeah. Uh, or, uh, go ahead. I don't know how we can afford to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, already spending the, a portion on everything else. The, uh, you know, how do you feel as a restaurateur? I mean, there are probably 10 cases for every one that a restaurant admits. There's probably 10 that other restaurants didn't admit. Uh, you know, I, everybody calls me all day long telling me about restaurants that haven't had any attention. And, and uh, you know, it just, how do you feel as a restaurateur being the guy who's out there telling people when you know there are some that nobody's talking about? You know, that's probably the worst part is just like, I mean, we got to, I can't worry about everybody else. I have to, I mean, I do worry about everyone else because I wish everybody else would do the right thing and, and mask up and sanitize so we could get this over with quicker and, and kind of get back to some sense of normalcy. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, I can't control what other people do. Just like, I mean, I can't control what our employees do when they're not in the building. When they're in the building, I can check their temperature. I can make sure they're washing their hands every 20 minutes. I can make sure they're sanitizing. I can make sure they have masks and gloves on and they're following glove protocol and things like that. But I can't control what they do when they leave work or who they interact with. And, you know, it's, it's a young crowd and, and they go out and, and, you know, I don't know what their home situations are, whether they, you know, where those, the people that live with who they come in contact with. So there's a lot of variables that are outside our, our control. I mean, I've kind of given up and said, I can only worry about what I can do. And I think that, you know, among me and my staff, we just feel that the right thing to do is to be open and honest and pray to God that people respect that and come back. Um, you know, the, after Zoe's in Addison and Connie Rosso in Carrollton, I mean, the sales were pretty bad when we opened back up. Uh, you know, we're watching it and hoping that people come back and kind of appreciate our honesty. You know, those restaurants are spotless. I guarantee it. I mean, they're cleaner than my house. That is for sure. But, um, you know, I can't control public perception either other than we're doing the right thing. We hope others follow suit. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to treat our customers or our, my staff any other way. What does it take to keep restaurants open? Are you afraid there will be another cutback in capacity? Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, I guess we, I've been like everybody. I follow every news site and I don't know what to believe and what not to believe and, and whatnot. I, they say the next two weeks are critical. It's obviously scary <coughs> what's happening in particularly Harris County, the Houston area seems to have a, a pretty big spike. I mean, the good thing, uh, there's a lot of medical professionals that I'm buddies with that are kind of giving me the intel from the, you know, uh, ICU and stuff like that. And they said, yeah, we're getting more cases, but uh, there's less people dying because they have treatment protocol. So, I mean, you're still going to, you know, people are still going to get sick, but maybe there's going to be a less of a mortality rate. Um, but, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, for us, we're, we're pizza and family sized pasta and sandwiches and stuff like that. So even if they say, Hey, you got to scale back capacity to 25%, we'll be fine. Um, you know, I worry about like other, you know, pure restaurants that, that haven't pivoted or haven't done family style to go kind of things. Those are the restaurants are, you know, white fine dining places and bars and stuff like that. They're probably in struggle. I mean, I think, you know, in Fort Worth, uh, John Bunnell has done such a great job of, of pivoting and being kind of a, a great voice for the for the Fort Worth community in terms of how restaurants pivot and handle things well. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, I mean, reduced capacity, if they said, hey, only 25% indoor seating, that's fine. Most of our places have big patios. It's starting to get oppressively hot, but uh, people still want to get out. And we were doing a pretty robust uh, to-go and delivery, and, and we started adding a lot of family-sized uh, pastas and, and meals with salads and desserts and stuff like that. So yeah, I think family meals and to go are still, if they cut back, uh, you know, you'll still have takeout and family packs will still be important. Yeah. That's Steve, anything else you want to cover? Um, no, I just, uh, how, how is the to go business for y'all? Oh, it's great. I mean, I think that's going to be a, uh, a thing that sticks with us. Uh, I mean, that's not going anywhere soon. I mean, I, I obviously you can, you can spin off a whole other podcast about the third party delivery companies. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, the curbside to go has been great for us. And, you know, I think a lot of customers during this pandemic finally realized that, whoa, the third party delivery services 
are not necessarily great for independent restaurants. Uh, so let me hop in my car and I'll go pick it out and they'll just, you know, put my food in my trunk and I don't even have to look or talk to anyone. Um, and so that's been, that's been great. So we've had a huge shift to off premise. Um, and it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. We had Bunnell on a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that, that he didn't feel like, uh, the curbside is going to be going away that he's, he's going to have some version of it after everything gets better. Yeah. He is keeping his family packs and everything. Of course, there's a chance that it looks like we may roll back into a worse situation in the fall. So he, he, he's keeping all this to go and family pack plans and they've done well. And if you have to, you know, if things get bad and you have to close a dining room again, then you just go back to family packs to go and, and pizzas to go. And, and, uh, and you know, you make, you know, make it go that way. So, yep. Well, yes, Jay, well, Jay, thank you very much. Um, Steve, anything else? I think that's it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you, uh, Jay Jerry from uh, Conoroso and Zoli in Fort Worth and coming soon to Arlington. And of course, all around the Dallas area as well. The uh, king of Neapolitan pizza in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, Jay in Fort Worth. In Fort Worth, they tend to call it floppy pizza or crisp pizza, but you know, you've got them both covered. So. Yeah, we got them covered. And the, you know, I will say that Fort Worth has been, uh, after like our third year in Fort Worth, all of a sudden everybody in Fort Worth decided they loved Conny Rosa, where like, our sales went crazy. And I mean, it's just part of the neighborhood. Fort Worth has been really cool about forgetting we're from Dallas. Uh, so uh, that's been uh, that's been really, uh, really good. And I always tell people, the only reason we started in Dallas is because that's where I got fired from my real job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to start a restaurant where Lived. Well, you know, that's really a secret over here. I don't think most people really know that. I think I think they think you started on Magnolia. So just just keep it that's that right. way and you'll be okay. <laughs> that's right. Magnolia's original. Well, thanks, Jay Jerry. Until another time on the Eat Speak podcast, I'm Bud Kennedy. And Steve Olson.